0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, the last part of the interview with Mike Kramer. Rich and I conducted last week. Rich and I trying to cover things Mike hasn't said on other podcasts, but he's never going to run out of stories. Thanks, Mike, and thanks sponsors, Top Spinini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, compsey.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. As I joked in the last episode, Pacific probably would have been a, a sponsor because I, I knew Mike and uh, we, had, we had a good rapport and I liked what he was doing. But And he was the underdog of the card manufacturers, but used that position to take the industry with his creativity to new heights. So thanks, everybody. This is the last part. And here it is. I remember the first time I met you and we were kindred spirits of, of sorts. I don't think I was as entrepreneurial as you were at that time. But now I look back at some of the life decisions I made. And at the time, they seemed risky to the other people. Now they can look back and say, yeah, that was a no-brainer. Yeah, you should have done that. And I know you get the same thing. It makes it look like, of course, you did that. But it wasn't, of course, back in real time when it was happening.
1: The name of my book is Kramer's Choice. A lot of people have thought that's the tie-in to the card that we made, name that. And it is somewhat. But the book is really about the choices I made and how I got where I got by making the right choices. Some of the choices are spelled out. You might call them risk, but yeah, they were the choices I made to get me where I
0: wanted to be. You're in the same situation. Sometimes people think, actually, this Beckett is a real person or Kramer is a real person. For purposes of some people, you're not Mike Kramer, you're Mike Pacific. You know, They don't think that you're a person that started a company at a pretty young age and grew it and enjoyed it and helped uh, shape it and form it and take it to new levels and then step off the merry-go-round. I think we both stepped off the merry-go-round at very similar times because I think you sold out in 05-ish. Fall of 04. I was late 04, early 05 was me too. I had something to retire to. Not just to retire from. And it sounds like you're very similar in that respect. And I got margin back. I got a new lease on life and I'm really enjoying where I am. It's a lot less pressure. I didn't have cancer, but I had a heart attack. That gives you a wake up call to think, how do I want to spend the rest of my life? What do I want to do? What do I want to do this meaningful.
1: And I that's started. what I did. I just stepped back and started having fun and doing other things besides working. And I spell out in the book how the Elephants jumped off my shoulders. People don't realize guys in our position are, yes, running a company, but there's a lot of pressure. We never got to go away from work. You're always working. Even if you're home sleeping, you're working. And you might have a day off, but you're still working because back then we had a pager and later on cell phone and the thing never quit. And so only guys in our position have that knowledge of how that pressure can be on you all the time.
0: There's pressure even from making good decisions. Even the good choices that you made to expand your business made more work for you. And yes. even though you had great people, there's a stress of having success.
2: Of the, having there's also a growing. stress of making decisions that are impacting. And what did you say? 183 people is our high water market backup for the number of employees. Mike, however many employees you had at your peak. So we had 240 back at the peak. and yeah. That's a lot of people. Every time you make a decision, you're not just impacting one person. Both of you are impacting thousands of lives.
0: Mm -hmm. The most fun was when we had less than 50 people. Everybody could know everybody. You weren't worried about job titles as much. Everybody pitched in. I don't know if, Rich, if you got in under that, but you probably were in the...
2: I was number 54.
0: Then it's the first 54 then, Mike, or the really crucial ones. But that was more fun because they really knew everybody. I agree with you. I always got the sense that you did, as we did, promoted from within. A lot of upward mobility within the people that were hired in, regardless of what they were hired in for, they were assisted if they wanted to ever get a better job or get trained on something. We had a lot of people that worked their way up. It wasn't necessarily a career ladder, but we wanted to promote from within as much as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. I put in a system of eight managers who managed... The various areas of the company departments, basically, they hired their own people, but those managers, almost all of them were with me for 10 or 12 years. Uh, And for me, I didn't have to promote a a different person into a manager because he he never left or she never left. And so that was a great advantage. And then they hired their people that worked uh, with them, like the media department, the guys that wrote the copy for the cards changed out sometimes and we hired a new one and hired more as we did more baseball and more hockey. But my manager people stayed with me a long time. You also had family members working with you. Early on, my mother, early on, my sister, early on, my niece. My brother worked for me for about six years.
2: I remember Marty very well.
1: Yeah. And he and I play golf at least four or five times a year. We go on golf trips and I take a lot of Tylenol, but I can still do it. I don't hit it very far anymore, but I'm straight because I can't swing as hard as I used to. So I'm playing with the golf. You've
2: beaten cancer. That's more important.
1: I haven't beaten it. I still have it. It doesn't go away, but they have it under control. I still have some effects of it uh, that don't go away. I'll never be normal, but I can still play golf, and that's a
2: blessing. Come on down to Texas. I don't play golf, but I, I don't hear about Jim playing golf as much as he used to. I think the two of you need to go off about on the links together. Played
0: before, but you just hit it way by me back last time we played. You just crushed the ball.
2: I won't be
1: doing that now. Well, <laughs> I, I can hit it 2 two to 225, okay? But it's usually down the middle. And then I bought senior graphite shafts, and they give you a little more whip. And so I can take my graphite shaft. <laughs> And I can get on or around the green. And so I either get a par or a bogey, and sometimes you get a, a bird here and there. And I have had a hole-in-one, which is another great thrill. And that was on a golf trip in Florida. And I still enjoy it. I wish I could play more. I don't belong to my golf club anymore. I couldn't get in enough rounds to justify it. But remember a guy that used to work for us who was a graphics manager named Rob Hicks? And he was up here last weekend, and we played with Phil Roth, who was my CFO. And so we're still in contact quite a bit.
0: I always thought Cheryl was a lovely person, not just your wife, but and now you're approaching 50 years. I'm sure you're giving her credit, but are there some things that she did? Because your wife has insights. They see things either before we see them or that we don't even see at all. Were you always in sync? Because it seems like you were. We always were.
1: I gave her credit in the book for the fact that Pacific wouldn't exist without her. Because when I was gone fishing, I still had a mail order business. And she was the one hiring the people to sort cases of cards and make sets. And she was the one shipping them, mailing our orders out. And she kept that thing alive while I was gone. During the time that Pacific was the heyday of it, when we were so busy, she stepped back and she raised our four kids and let me do the business side of it. Then when I sold the thing and walked away, we basically met up again. And we've had some of our best 20 years afterwards where we got to finally do the traveling and fun things when I was working. Obviously, I was a workaholic and I didn't have uh, too much time for us to go off and do vacations, although we did one every year to to Hawaii during the time uh, I was working. And when the book landed in my hands last week when I got the first one, she said, Mike, you're back at it. You're working again. <laughs> and I said, I probably have. And she goes, You're never going to quit. When you find something you want to do, you're going to keep going. You're
2: Good working day. on promoting your book, and that's perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. It's been fun promoting it and the reception. And uh, I still remember some of the instincts I had on how to market things and promote things. And they all fallen back in place. I'm not close to finished with the marketing part of it. I think I got a lot more room out there for me to let people know that the book exists. Are you going to be at the National in Cleveland? Thinking about it, and I brought it up to my wife, and uh, I don't know exactly how to go about doing that. I'm going to have a bunch of tests in November to see where I'm at with this cancer thing because it does come back. And so if I'm healthy enough, to do that. And if I can figure out how to do it, in other words, do I buy a table? Do I set up over here or how it works? Then I think it's a good opportunity for me. I know the nationals basically sold out of tables, but there's always some way in. You're a celebrity. How do I I end up at a tables
0: signing books? Heritage or Golden, any of these major auctioneers that are trying to draw people to their area, you'd be a a great draw. That's That's a good idea guys you'd be there on friday afternoon or something and signing books and uh, meet and greet i did something like that last year at well, yeah
2: jim i heard it was saturday afternoon and i heard it was a big hit at the beckett booth
0: yeah it, it, in fact uh, we you could be at the beckett booth if you wanted to i i could probably twist some arms there i hope <laughs>
1: but, i did interview with al mir for beckett hockey okay. and so that's a great idea. because I'm I- just
0: saying at the National, you shouldn't worry about any logistics. You just show up and you have maybe your someplace. But the evening, there's some nice dinners and functions. I'm making it more social. I'm messing around with cards in the day, but I'm visiting with people. And it ought to be on your terms, Mike. You've mm-hmm. certainly earned that. I, I just think if you go one year, you're going to want to keep going every year because it's all the fun without the hassle if you don't have an entourage.
2: I you don't know. have to worry about a corporate booth or an armed guard walking around with card soup peels anymore. But you got to take care yeah. of your health.
1: That's a great idea because I looked into it a little bit and realized that I don't know how you could ever get a table there. And I didn't really want a table. But signing at the Beckett booth or one of those others, I appreciate that.
0: And tops should make a card of you. They really should. Your connection with tops, even though you were a quasi competitor at one point, your contribution to the industry mm-hmm. and the fact that you've not cut your teeth, but one of your first thrusts was buying Tops remainders. That really mm-hmm. you know, Tops to hobby to people at the you know what?
2: He needs to be in Ginter.
0: And he could be in Ginter for sure. They
2: he should needs to be in in, you of- know, if Tops is listening, Mike needs to be in Allen in Ginter next year.
1: <laughs> There's a great story in my book because I played golf with uh Cyberger and we decided that Pacific was a stepchild of Tops. You'll have to read that in the book.
0: (laughs) Like you said, the distance of time makes people forget all but the really good stuff, it seems. Because toward the last couple of years of you running Pacific, I think some of the leagues and players associations made life difficult for you. That's why the the
2: NFL came up to you and said, basically, your license is done. The story of that's in
1: the book, too. But uh, Yeah. those parts were no fun obviously those parts of the business but that's the way it went maybe it all ended for me as far as making cards but the next part of my life started i didn't realize i had another part of my life until i
2: got to venture into it jim and i have a mutual friend eddie kelly and beckett bought pro look the photo company and eddie ended up with it purchased it from beckett and he had an nfl license and one year The NFL went to him and said, we love you. You pay on time. You are the easiest person to deal with. We are cutting from 300 licenses to 30 licenses, and you're not going to be among the 30. And at least they were blunt and honest, and they said, it's nothing to do with you. We want to have less licensees because that makes our life easier, too.
0: Mm -hmm. But what Mike got is the deja vu all over again of what's happening to Panini right now, is that you're not the biggest fish and they're putting some pressure on you. That was the ending environment for me too. You could see some of that happening. The industry was going more corporate. I don't have regrets, Mike, and I don't think you do either. I have none.
1: And look what happened to Topps with not getting renewed. It was the same thing that happened to us. I know what Panini's going through. I went through the same thing. Back then, that was just what happened. And I can think of all kinds of ways they could fix that and get out of that and but I'm not involved in the business anymore. I'm watching it from the
2: outside. It's really interesting. I, th- I think you've got the healthiest way of looking at it. I began the next part of my life and a very good
0: point. I think that's the great way of looking at it. It's very affirming to me that I'm going through some of those same steps and the choices we make. Other people don't always understand it, but then you look back and you think, Hey, that really worked out. And uh, some instinct that I had that, seemed to be risky to other people was not looking risky to me at the time because I thought I got this. I probably didn't know what I was getting in for, but things worked out. I worked hard, great teammates.
2: Mike, it's great catching up with you.